Well, hi everyone. Welcome to Wealthy Wednesday. Hi Peter. How? Hi Dom. How are you doing? Hey Tiffy. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. How's your your Wednesday going, Dom? Awesome. It's good to be back in the office. You haven't been there for a while, right? I know there's no one in here, which is refreshing, except for a few people that are running around. But and they might hear an occasional puppy. But other than that, it's all good. That's great. So I'm going to just jump into today's Wealthy Wednesday podcast, where we're going to be discussing what's happening around the world. So we can learn from markets that are in a more advanced stage of coronavirus, and we want to see the impact of coronavirus on properties around the world. So Dom, what have we learned from other markets? Well, majority of the information that we're gathering is from a source or a gentleman named Michael Delpretti, who does a lot of research on all of the major portals like Zoopla, Rightmove, realestate.com, Domain, um, and Peter probably be able to rattle off a whole bunch more. But the main things that we are seeing in the markets that are, have taken, have gone through the coronavirus right now, is about a 50 to 60% decrease in new listings. So there's a lot less dock a lot less property that it's coming onto the market so supply is drying up a lot um, we're also seeing a huge decrease in the amounts of people that are on the portal as well as transaction volumes so we're seeing more than 40 to 50 percent decrease in the amount of people that are on the portal looking searching and doing a looking around seeing what's available and then there's been up to a 70 percent decrease in transaction volumes in the most severe markets, which makes a lot of sense because in those severe markets, you're seeing a complete lockdown where there's no movement of people. People are not going out, which makes it very difficult for people to physically go see the properties. There's a lot more fear and tension in those markets. There's higher deaths and um, infections in those markets. So a lot of that fear and uncertainty um, is rubbing off on all the financial markets, not just property. Whereas in Australia, we're seeing a bit more of a hibernation mode as opposed to a full lockdown economic, you know, shutdown. Peter, anything you want to add? Uh, I think Dom's exactly right. Uh, what we have seen, not just from this pandemic, but previously, um, is that whenever there's a, a shock that has a health element to it, you know, this is very different to 2008 because that was a financial shock. This is a health shock. And so if you have a look at SARS, and if you have a look at China, South Korea, Italy, these markets that are maybe a little bit more ahead uh, than Australia, the UK and the United States in terms of where the coronavirus is, um, you've had a decrease in people wanting to sell their property. So that's really what a real estate listing is. It's someone deciding I'm going to put my property to the market. And so that sounds very bad. You know, listings are down 70%. But if you stand back and think, okay, what does this mean? It just means that the amount of supply of real estate hitting the market is decreasing because nobody wants to sell into an uncertain market. Uh, buyers have also been stepping back, as Dom said, and they've been worried about surviving, worried about their health, worried about their jobs, their children, their families, their elderly parents and all these things. And buying real estate isn't exactly high on that list when all these things happen. Um, but there are signs that, you know, as people go into a lockdown, as people hibernate, as people go into their homes and spend more time working from home, um, staying inside home, 
Um, so we're seeing that some of the data sh shows that there's a return of people looking for real estate. And I think Dom and I have seen that this week where we've fielded a lot of calls from friends, from investors, from people that know us in our personal network saying, hey, what does this actually mean for my investments? And can I actually utilize this downturn to my advantage? We're starting to, it's, while it's quite early, we're starting to hear questions of that order. Okay. Yeah, and I, um, I want to add to that. Sorry, Tiffy, but just, you know, anecdotally, what Peter's saying is absolutely right because what we're seeing is there is a reduction in the amount of people that are selling the property. But what we believe and what I believe is that the people that are bringing properties to the market may be in a position where they need to more so than want to. For a lot of the discretionary selling and discretionary buying has gone. So people are just selling or upgrading for the sake of upgrading. You said, well, listen, we can wait. Whereas the people that are selling, I feel, have a bit more of an impetus to and a bit more of a openness to doing a deal or taking a little bit of a reduction. So it's for people that are scared to see the whole market and say, well, look, there's going to be discounts or whatever. Actually, last month, there was a small increase in the property market, albeit, um, you know, it was right at the start of this whole uh, you know, COVID-19 issue. So I think Peter's right. We still need to see a little bit more time in the market, but also what we have seen from the numbers in China is uh, a slow recovery as well, because they're a lot more mature uh, in, in the going through the phase in Singapore and also in South Korea, that the property numbers, the transaction volumes, the new listing volumes, people in the portal, are starting to see a slow increase. And historically, what we've also seen um, when SARS hit and one of the swine flu and a few other things hit in Asian markets, there was a six to nine month recovery period where people took their time coming back into the market. It was a gradual increase, but what that really points to is with less buyers in the market, there's less competition. And that also means that there's also opportunities that you're going to see that other people won't. Okay. So we're already starting to see some markets like China slowly starting to recover and because they're in a more advanced stage. Now, how is Australia different to the markets that are in that more advanced stage and not just China, but like Italy and, and other markets that we've been looking at, like the United States or UK? Do you want to go, Peter? It's me or Peter. Peter, you go. Uh, well, first of all, we're, we're, an, we're an island. And being an island has its advantages because we don't have land borders and we were able to very early on close our borders down, not completely, but within reason. And what that has done is it's limited uh, the, the spread of the actual pandemic. Um, how are we different financially, economically? We're quite an advanced country. So our, our, our um, population is a lot less than Italy, for example. Uh, but if you have our wealth, if you have a look at our wealth per capita, it's higher. If you have a look at the size of our economy, the diversity of, of our economy, our health system is a lot better and a lot more advanced. China is the second largest economy in the world. It's got, you know, one of the biggest populations in the world. And so the best way to compare Australia against China is not China overall, but certain cities within China and certain municipalities within China. But I think to hit your point, it's that, um, you know, if there are any similarities or if there are any differences, Don and I were talking about this this morning together with you. 
it, it has highlighted how strong our government system is, um, how prudent our, our, our politicians have been in announcing stimulus, and most importantly, how our health system has held up. Because Australia is also very different to these countries where we have an independent medical panel. So every time we hear about the chief medical officer or, or medical bureaucrats coming out, they tell the government what to do. So unlike in the US where you have a more polarised system where, you know, whoever's in power is making decisions, in Australia, that's very decentralised. And what that has done is it's limited the growth trajectory of this pandemic. And that is slowly now filtering back into the economy very, very early days. But people are thinking, okay, well, maybe our death rate is not as high as in Europe or the US or China. And so maybe this isn't going to be as bad for us economically as for the others. Dom, anything you want to add? Well, <clears throat> vitally important is we didn't go into a full shutdown. Not yet. And it doesn't seem like, and I'm, you know, not wood, I'm optimistic. It's, you know, with the current numbers, growth rates slowing down, the government made a lot of clever decisions to, support us in all the most vital ways. They kept the construction industry open. So there's a huge workforce that's staying in there, getting an income, still going and doing the things they need to do. They've subsidized a lot of people that have lost their jobs. They've subsidized businesses that would otherwise let staff off. So they're putting a huge amount of cash into the pockets of people where the fear and uncertainty is the strongest. And then just today they're announcing a further stimulus to help the commercial tenants and the small businesses to keep all that humming away. So this plan for hibernation to make everyone go into a sleep is coming to effect and you can feel it in the sentiments, the hearts and the minds of the people that we are talking to. I mean, I think that one of the other interesting things that Peter just mentioned is just how the healthcare system has handled it all. How, you know, we've done some of the most aggressive testing nationally or you know, internationally and the numbers that are coming out are so far pretty good. Um, one thing that I want to point to, and that's something that Peter said earlier, is maybe the superannuation is helping us in an unexpected way again. Um, Pete, do you want to jump on what we were discussing? I mean, you and I were, you know, jokingly saying it would be nice to get an additional $10,000 in our bank accounts now as opposed to super, but a lot of yeah. people have dipped into that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, just on that point, Tiffy, uh, what Dom and I were talking about, we've been looking at the numbers, right? Because there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of people saying different things. There's a lot of conspiracies out there. But what we like to do is step back and have a look at the numbers. So when we say we expect things to recover, it's not just because we're just two deluded people that are just optimistic for the sake of being optimistic. We're looking at the government stimulus, which is now a couple of hundred billion dollars, 20, 15, 20% of GDP. What Dom just noted is the, the superannuation. The government's come out and basically said, you can take from your superannuation, which is pension funds, for those that don't know what superannuation means. Uh, you can take from your pension fund if you're financially impacted. And within the first three or four days, around $50 billion uh, worth of superannuation funds has been requested by people to take out. Now, that might not all come out. But when you take $50 billion outside of savings and investments and you put it into the economy on top of $200 million in the side, $200 billion, you know, call that 250 of cash flushing through 
and the size of your economy is 1.5 trillion, we're talking about 20, 25% of the overall size of your economy flushing through in cash in about 12 months. That is massive. And so that, that's coming. We haven't felt it yet, but it's coming. And so these are the things that we're looking at when we're making these predictions and saying, okay, now's the time to start thinking about what's happening today is priced in. What happens in six months time is the opportunity. Maybe 12 months, maybe 24 months. But when you're investing, you're thinking at least five, 10, 15 years. So what comes next is very important. 100% agree. Now, can I ask, so we mentioned, or you guys mentioned before how we're seeing less listings and less people putting their houses in the market. So basically supply for housing is going down. How does that impact the market and pricing in particular? Peter, do you want to go? Well, it's simple, it's simple economics. I mean, when you reduce supply, look what happened to toilet paper all around the world, right? That was demand and supply. Everybody freaked out, but eventually there was only so much toilet paper sitting on shelves. And so all of a sudden toilet paper dried up. And so a lot of people are saying, oh, well, the market will, the property market might soften because, you know, there's less demand and people have uncertainty around their jobs. Sure absolutely there's going to be a demand impact in the short term but the supply impact is just as important when there's less property on the market because banks will give you a, a, a repayment holiday uh, because interest rates have been cut because government are you know helping people with financial payments because auctions have been shut down um, because open homes are harder and if you're deciding and saying hey i might actually wait and not put my property on the market now wait six months that's going to have a supply impact. And so less supply will support prices, I believe. And sorry about the birds in the background. Uh, <laughs> they're having a field there. So I'm gonna hand over to Dom and hit mute. Dom, what do you wanna say about demand and supply? It is absolutely right. Um, <clears throat> there is way less supply that's coming into the market again. And, and if you have a look at where the supply comes from, the bulk of the people that are selling in the market are typically homeowners rather than investors trying to flip their properties. Now, the only time that you really see significant discounts in a property market is when there's a flood of supply and the flood of supply happens as a result of people not being able to afford their mortgages. Okay, we saw that in America during the GFC, whole bunch of people were doing credit defaults, they couldn't afford their mortgages anymore, there was a massive issue. What we're seeing in the short to medium term really is a no risk of that actually happening because a lot of the gaps have been plugged up by the government and by, and by people still having gainful employment. So that there's no real reason for people to be slipping through the cracks and feeling the need to sell their property if banks uh, giving you a deferred deferment and being able to push out your loan further. If you've lost your job, but you're still getting Centrelink or you're getting um, your tenants is uh, getting a rental assistance. So there's, there's all the plugs that would cause property market to fall over and cause people to need to sell aren't there. And a lot of the property market is being protected. So the fact that there isn't such a huge influx in supply and internationally we've seen that 
the number of new listings is literally halved means that the doom and gloom that people are talking about, I really don't think that that's going to be happening. I do believe there's going to be opportunities. 100% there'll be opportunities. Um, and, you know, that's the reason why you should have your eyes and ears open, why you should be financially sophisticated, have your cash and everything ready to buy, to pounce, because it is a buyer's market. Just to be clear, I wouldn't be selling my home now, but um, I don't think the doom and gloom that people are spouting is absolutely, uh, it's, it's not true. Makes a lot of sense. So how does this evolve? What should we expect for the next few months, Peter? Uh, I think it's very important as an investor to distinguish between things that you can control and things that you can't control. We as individuals and as a collective society cannot control a lot of the health implications. Uh, we can't control how greater financial markets move. And so what I that's where 90% of the attention of most people is focused. And what I say is take that 90% and focus on the things that you can control. Um, don't be naive around the things that you can't control, but don't focus 90% of your attention there. Bring it back into what Robert Covey calls the, 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 the circle in which you can control. And so Dom hit on a very important point about becoming ready, using this opportunity to become deal ready. Have a look at your finances. Have a look and you know, have a look at your investment plan. Where is that at? Uh, if you haven't been investing and if you've been putting off investing, now's a good time to start thinking about that. Get deal ready. Speak to banks. Speak to lenders. Find out what your capacity is. Start looking at deals so that you can control that element. You know, you can take control of your destiny. And in five or ten years' time. Just as we do look back at 2008, you know, that was 12 years ago and we were like, man, there were some really, really good deals during the, the global financial crisis. We will look back at this period of time and be like, wow, that was crazy, you know. Um, and so focus 90% of your attention on the things that you can control and start working on that list and start being proactive. And as I said last week, right at the end of, of our chat, our discussion together, don't hold off too long because it's always a good time to be buying a long-term asset. Great. Dom, anything you want to add as to what, how these will evolve and what we should be doing? Yeah. So Peter, I want to add to what Peter said. So if you are getting ready and thinking about what I can control, anyone that is out there that has a mortgage or has a property needs to have a look if they can refinance to get a better rate, to get a better deal, to pull out their available cash, to get it ready to deploy. It's as simple as that. Some of the best rates we've ever seen are currently available in the market. The banks are looking for good quality people that have, that still have their jobs, that still have their cash, that can still manage their debt. So if you can go and get some cash out of your mortgage, out of your own home, out of your existing portfolio, you need to do that now. That's I don't great. know if I can make it any more clear. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so yeah, guys, so before we leave, is there anything else that we want to mention to our audience when it comes to property or anything else? I'll, I'll jump in, Dom, if that's okay with you, and I'll, I'll give my final comments and I'll hand over to you to give you the, the final word. Um, a lot of people focus on demand, focus on supply. 
drive around and have a look at the amount of cranes that were in the sky two or three years ago and how many there are today and anticipate how many there will be into the future. As, as a human race, we will continue to grow. Our population will continue to grow. Governments will continue to print money, flood the system with cash and support it. And it's coming at a time where we're, we're decreasing the amount of new building that's being built, the amount of construction. So with the mindset of taking things under your control, anticipate demand, but also look at supply. And I believe that this pandemic will, will further rupture supply that had already been coming off and that's going to support prices in the next few years. Dumb? I'm going to say something a little bit crazy and lighthearted. I think that, you know, all, all, in all seriousness, that we're in an interesting time where there's going to be a lot of couples staying at home. I think there's going to be a lot more babies. We're going to be a baby boomer part two, maybe. So just to add to that narrative, we're going to see maybe an increase in population. We're going to see some more, more babies, bigger family units. We're going to be seeing, you know, a different value uh, being put on the household than ever before. People are going to value where they live more so because they've spent so much fucking time in their house or renting a property. So they're going to say, well, I want a better place to live. I want to have a bigger or a nicer home. I want ducted air conditioning. So I think when we are, when you're thinking about your next investment, there's going to be a massive flight to quality and you need to be considering that with your next investment. You need to make sure that you're buying a good quality asset that when another issue happens in the next seven to 10 years, that your property is still going to be tenanted and it's not that crappy one that needs to be renovated, that the tenant jumped out of their lease because it was just not nice. You didn't have your dishwasher, you didn't have something there, you know? So you need to make sure that the next investment you're making is going to be a higher quality asset. I think there's gonna be a massive flight to quality and um, yeah, just keep your head up. There's plenty of opportunities out there. Reach out to us and have a chat. And for me, I want to close saying something, and it, this comes from experience and yesterday. So I think a lot of our clients right now are taking the time to make sure that they have a clear strategy. Some are willing to move right now. Some are wanting to wait one, two months and see what happens. And, and everyone has their own style, right? But yesterday I had a conversation with someone saying that they didn't want to... They, they, this person brought to the table four different strategies. They were all completely different. And in, in this person's mind was like, oh, I feel like we have some more time. So I don't want to move right now. I was like, you, you don't have clarity on your strategy. If there is a time for great opportunities, the opportunity of defining what you want is right now. Because then when the opportunities come, you don't just pick, there will be plenty of good opportunities, but let's pick the one that fits your long-term strategy best, not just whatever comes your way, right? And if you don't have a clue, it, it feels more emotionally driven than a pro is the right time to come and talk to Peter, Dom, myself. And if you have no clue what you want, then let's go and define your strategy. Well, guys, thank you very much with for all of your tips and all of the information you just gave everyone in the audience. And thanks for another great Wealthy Wednesday and see you next time. Remember to like and subscribe, everybody. If you heard something awesome, then pass it on to 10 of your friends. <laughs> 10 thanks, friends, Sydney. not just one. <laughs>
Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody. Gotcha.